microphone is hot. That must be why they brought me two bottles of water this morning, I suppose. Okay, I'm just messing with you there this morning. This is the day the Lord has made for us. It really is. Cause us to rejoice and to be glad in it, you know. You know, um, how many here have ever had an experience of being knocked down? Yeah, okay. Knocked down, pulled down, pushed down, shoved down, sat on, you know, pressed down and depressed. We live in a world that often is pulling us down. And the people around us often pull us down like, you, you ever uh, seen the analogy of a guy out there and he's catching all these crabs and putting them in a bucket? And a, and a bucket is very easy for the crabs to crawl out, but they can't crawl out. So if one crab starts to crawl out, one down in the bottom of the bucket goes, no, you don't, and pulls him back down. And uh, we're always being pulled down, pushed down, you know, pressed down. And uh, what we want to continue talking about this morning is higher ground. The devil's goal is that you and I don't reach any higher ground. Higher ground really does give us an advantage. The devil doesn't want us to have an advantage, and he always wants us to be down and not reaching that higher ground. Um, the song we just listened to, it was talking about, you know, take my life and let it be all for you. It's really talking about humility when we're acknowledging our total dependence on the almighty God. And he's the one who wants us to reach the higher ground. He wants us to have an advantage in this world. He does not want us to give in to the downward pull that's against us all. Well, listen to what it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 21. It says, friends, stay where you are called to be. I mean, what has God called you to do? He says, friends, stay where God you know, where you were called to be, God is there. Hold the high ground. I just like the sound of that, you know. The high ground gives us an advantage, you know. Militarily, it gives us an advantage. Anybody who has the high ground has the advantage. And it says hold, God's word is challenging you and me, hold the high ground with him at your side. When he is at our side, we will definitely learn his ways. It enables us to do the right thing, you know. Hold the high ground with him at your side. Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, in the Message Bible, it says, Give your entire attention. Now, what percentage is entire? That will be 100%. He says, give your entire attention your, your attention your focus you know he says give your entire attention to what god is doing right now did you know god's doing something right now in your life did you know that god is preparing for something you for something awesome and wonderful and, and he's preparing something for me well we've already achieved that no you're breathing god is preparing you for something later on today and for something tomorrow and for something this week and this month. And he tells us here, give your entire attention 
sometimes we have what we call mission drift, don't we? We kind of drift off course. We get distracted. We get sidetracked. There's so many voices and things pulling and tugging at us. And he says, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. You ever get worked up about what might happen tomorrow? You know? You ever worry about something that never ever happens? Excuse me? Sure. And that's the devil trying to pull us down. But we need to gain the high ground. We need to hold on to the high ground with Jesus Christ at our side. So let me read this verse one more time. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. You know, last week, I believe, was Father's Day. And the week before that, we were talking about higher ground. Does anybody remember what my object lesson was that day? Small potatoes. I think I may have just one left over. Well, it's small. Hard to even see it there. I've had people tell me that they cooked them when they went home. Some people, you know, and that's all right. Because, well, let me read the verse. It says here, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 says, So we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside it often looks like things are falling apart on us, on the inside where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. Verse 17, here it comes. These hard times are small potatoes compared to what? Compared to the coming good times, the lavish celebration prepared for us. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today and gone tomorrow. Hmm. The hard times are small potatoes. As I was saying, some people told me, quite a few said they went home and they cooked them and they ate them. It's not a bad idea to just eat your problems, you know, just swallow them, make them gone. Okay? Some people told me they planted their potatoes. I wonder if that means they're going to have a big crop of hard times coming. I don't know. I'm teasing. I think it's pretty creative to what you can do with a little small potato, but I like that concept. These hard times are small potatoes. And what we just read here in Matthew 6.34, it says, don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up, whatever small potato. And it's all about your perspective. You, you can make a little bitty problem and magnify it and make it a huge problem. Or you can take what others would think is a huge problem and go, ah, that's just a small potato. And it becomes that in reality. Anyhow, I'd like to read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. It says, in light of all this, and you need to understand that uh, Apostle Paul, he was in prison for sharing the gospel, which is the good news with other people, because all the religious people, the religious leaders, did not appreciate because Paul was pulling people away from the religious system. 
that was just a bunch of dry religious rules. He was introducing them to Jesus Christ. Anyhow, it says in Ephesians 4, 1, it says, in light of all this, here's what I want you to do. This is Paul to Paul talking to the disciples. In light of all this, this is what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and, what's it say? And walk. How many of you are walking? Not very many of you walk anymore. That's why we have automobiles, right? But he says, I want you to walk. He says, I want you to walk. Better yet, run. How many of y'all run? You know? More people who run than walk, okay? So if somebody's after you or what? Tell me here. But he says, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run on the road God called you to travel. Do what God has called you to do. Get walking. Get running. He says, do you know, what God has called you to do on the road that God has called you to travel. And listen to what he says here. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. You ever tried that? Could you try that for a moment? Just everybody sit on their hands. Sit on your hands for a second. I'm going to throw this water bottle out there at you. Plus, ah, you know, you can't do much when you're sitting on your hands. You can get off your hands now, guys, okay? He says, I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off. What's the next word? I don't want anyone strolling off. No, not there. It's okay. Some of you have been strolling off in front of me here. If we have that scripture up there, I'll just read it to you, okay? I'm going to start all over. Good morning. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 says, In light of all this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run on the road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. Are we there? I don't want anyone strolling off down. Which direction? Down. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. What do we call a path that goes nowhere? A dead end. Can you imagine you spend your whole life walking down a path that goes nowhere? A dead end. How depressing is that? That's what Jesus does. He, he leads us and guides us on the best pathway for our life. And it ain't no dead end. No. And it leads us to higher ground higher ground he says here i don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere and it takes us to lower 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 levels verse 2 says and mark that you do this you know you're, you're you're following the best pathway you're walking you're running you're getting off your hands so you can serve he says and mark that you do this with humility. Humility leads to the high ground. Humility. And there's a difference between you humbling yourself versus you and you being humble. There's a difference between putting on humility and being humiliated. 
One of them is that you do it to yourself and you walk in humility. The other is because of arrogance and pride, you are humiliated. And there's a difference between the two. Humility leads to the high road. Pride, the Bible talks about pride. It comes before the, the fall. Pride will always lead you to a fall. Relationally, financially, emotionally, spiritually. Do you remember Lucifer? He was the archangel. He's the one that we know now as Satan, the devil, you know. He was, does anybody remember why he was cast out of heaven? Pride. He said, I will exalt my throne above the most high. I, I, I. Remember what the, the center letter in the word pride is. I. It's all about I. Pride is. And pride always comes before the, the fall. James chapter 4, verse 6, it says, God opposes the proud. God opposes the proud. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of like, you know, I'm so proud of you because you accomplished some wonderful feat. You know, that just means you're honored and, and all. I'm talking about the arrogant pride, you know. Look at me, my, and I, you know, kind of a deal. But he says here, God opposes the proud, but he favors the humble. Verse 7 says, so humble yourselves before God. When you humble yourself before God, you can resist the devil. But if you don't humble yourself, you know, humbling yourself, well, you're taking that lower position. He says here, so humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The devil will either be running from you because you're submitted to God. He's either be running from you or running after you. Which do you prefer? Would you rather him be running away from you? Yes. Instead of you going all day long, you tell your runs, you just go, you're just going to keep out of the devil's grasp all day long? You know. But the Bible tells us how to be victorious. It says, humble yourselves before God. You humble yourself. Submit yourself to God. You, you, you bow down before the almighty God. Humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. If you just try to resist the devil in your own human strength, he don't flee. Humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. And, and then he sums it up again. He says, humble yourselves. Verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. That's high ground. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Take the lowly position in humility and God will lift you up in honor. Let him do the lifting you up to the high ground. You know, don't exalt yourself in pride because that will cause you to fall. Anyhow, Ephesians chapter 4, picking up at verse 2 again, it says, And mark that you do this with humility and discipline. Leads to the high ground. Do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily, pouring yourselves out for each other. Do you understand what that means? You don't understand. 
thirsty. At the end of the service, if you come to me around the altar, be careful your knees may get wet, okay? Pouring yourself out. You know, what are you talking about? Our life, our time, our energy, our resources. Do we pour ourselves out for other people? That's what he's talking about here. In uh, verse 2, it says, And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily, pouring yourselves out for each other. I mean, the, the kids that we're sponsoring over in Ethiopia, our vacation Bible adventures. Oh, and let me put a plug in. We still need a whole bunch more uh, men and women to help us with EVA. We're under our our needed number. We need around 250. Okay? We probably need another 75 people. We really do. It says pouring yourselves out. This is humility. Well, we pour ourselves out. See, the, 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 the normal thing is just to accumulate. Oh, that's mine, 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 But see, it's humility when we pour ourselves out, our time, our energy, our resources, pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of, acts of love. Random acts of love and kindness, pouring ourselves out to help somebody else along the way. Verse 3 says, alert. Alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. Should you become aware? Do you think it would be a good thing to be aware if you had a hole in your fence? Say, what if your fence divides you and a neighbor? You know, he's got a hole in his fence. If you only got one fence there, if he has a hole in it, you have a hole in your fence too. Does that make sense? His critters can come into your yard, but your critters can go and get in his yard too. And whatever gets into his yard, a pack of wolves there could sneak into your yard if you got a hole in the fence. Anyhow, we need to be alert and aware, and we need to mend fences in relationships. We need to strive for unity and not let there be divisiveness. He says in verse 3, alert at noticing the differences and quick at mending fences. Verse 4 says, you were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction. So stay together both outwardly and inwardly. You know, God greatly blesses unity. The devil always will try to divide us to, to help us to tear down each other's fences so there can be division. But we need to work at mending fences between us. We need to be really quick about doing that. God blesses us when we're in unity. And uh, let's... Uh, take a peek at a very classic uh, verse in the Bible. Um, this sounds kind of opposite of what it should be, this, this psalm here. But there are times in order for us to gain the high ground, we've got to go to and through the low ground. Now, what do we call that low ground? In the classic, you know it, the 23rd Psalm. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. He's a shepherd. That means we're sheep. And I have all that I need. So 
shepherds take care of their sheep. Verse 2 says, He lets me rest in green meadows, and He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, not the wrong ones, bringing honor to His name. And even when I walk, what's that next word? Through the darkest valley. That's the low ground. Even when I walk through the, the darkest valley, the valley of the shadow of death, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close being guides me. Hold the high ground with Christ at your side. You may go through some valleys, but you hang on because he says, For I will not be afraid, David said, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they protect and they comfort me. Verse 5 says, You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. But no worries. On our journey, no worries when you know that Christ is with you. Second Kings chapter 6, uh, listen to what it says here, verse 15. It says, Early in the morning, a servant of the holy man got up and he went out. Surprise! Horses and chariots were surrounding the city. Enemies, horses and chariots were surrounding the city. The young man exclaimed, Oh, master, what shall we do? We're done for. Uh, we are surrounded by the enemy, horses and chariots. We're done for. Verse 16 says, the prophet said, Oh, no, what are we going to do? Is that what he said? He said, don't worry about it. He said, small potatoes. As a matter of fact, let's have some small potatoes for breakfast today. Small potatoes. You mean enemy horses and chariots that are surrounding us? You call that small potatoes? It depends on your perspective. Are you going to accept the devil's perspective? Or are you going to accept God's perspective? The prophet, verse 16, says, don't worry about it. Worry does not lead to high ground. Worry leads to the deepest and the depths of the lowest valley. Now, I'm not talking about just passing through there, but it, it'd take you there and try to deposit you there. He says, don't worry about it. There are more on our side than on their side. But the service to uh, Elisha there was going, I don't understand. There's hundreds of them. There's hundreds of them. Let me count it. Let me count the other way. We're outnumbered. He was just scared spitless, man. And the prophet's going, don't worry about it. Let's finish your breakfast. There are more on our side than on their side. But see, if you're just looking through the natural eye, just looking the way everybody else is, all you're going to see is a black dot. Then Elisha prayed, and he said, Oh, God, here's my prayer for you. Open his eyes. Open their eyes. Open our eyes. Elisha prayed, verse 17, Oh God, open his eyes and let him see. Give him vision to see beyond what the natural eye sees. Where other people see giant problems, Elisha says, small potatoes. Look at it through God's perspective. Then Elisha prayed, Oh God, open his eyes and let him see. The eyes of the young man were opened, and he saw a wonder. The whole mountainside was full of horses and chariots 
of fire surrounding Elisha. Now, there was hundreds of natural horses and, and chariots, but then when his eyes were open, he saw thousands upon thousands of angelic beings and horses and chariots of fire that were there to protect them. It's like, would you be worried and concerned if God protected you in such a way? You know the Bible says the angels of the Lord surround about those who fear him, which just means he has a great reverence and respect for him. The angels of the Lord encamp around about those who fear him, and they'll protect us. That, that's what they're there for. Anyhow, Psalm 69, verse 32 says, The humble will see their God at work and be glad. Elisha, he saw his God at work. He saw the angelic beings. He knew God, and he knew the nature of God, and he was a humble man. See, he humbled himself, and God lifted him up to the high ground and protected him with his angelic beings. It says here in Psalm 69, verse 32, the humble will see their God at work and be glad. The humble will. The proud will not see anything but the own work of their hand and their own human limitations. The proud will see their limitations and they will fall. The humble will see their God at work and they'll be glad. He's here by my side. Psalms 23, picking back up there, the 23rd Psalm, verse 5, says, You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely, goodness and unfailing love. The King James says, Surely, goodness and mercy. That mercy is unfailing love. Surely, goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. Will pursue, it means, you know, goodness and unfailing love is going to track me down. And goodness and unfailing love is good at tracking. It's a hunter. And, and it will find you. You cannot get away from it. If you're a humble woman or a humble man, goodness and mercy, love and kindness will track you down and follow you all the days of your life, and you will live in the presence of Almighty God forever. Now, I like the idea of being followed by goodness and mercy. And, and I, I want to slow down so they'll catch up. You know what I'm saying? That's what he tells us here. Verse 6, surely your goodness, your, your goodness, Lord, and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord in the presence of God forever. Now, that's high ground. That's high ground that you become conscious of being in the presence of the Almighty God. You humble yourself, and he lifts you up to high ground. There's a government official in India who was engaged in irrigation work, and he came to the owner of a field and he offered to make it fruitful to which the owner answered you needn't attempt to do anything with my field it's barren and will produce nothing the official replied I can make your field richly fruitful if only it lies low enough if your land lies low enough now remember our, our topic of today is humility if your land lies low enough, he says, I can make it rich and, and fruitful and it will prosper. Talking about the, the low land is easier to irrigate than it is, you know, just land that's just all flat. So if, if you and I, if we 
will humble ourselves and we will acknowledge our total dependence on the Almighty for everything that we have need of. You know, we'll acknowledge how small we are and, and how weak we are, how unfruitful we are apart from God. See, when we're connected, if we abide in, in him, then we'll become fruitful. If we're apart from God, we're in a heap of trouble. But if we'll acknowledge our total, dependent, total dependence upon him, without him we can't do anything. But through him, I can do all things. The Bible says so. Through Christ, who strengthens me. So if we stay connected with him, we can accomplish anything and, and everything. And he fills us with living water. And have you ever seen the power of water? You ever seen the old timey uh, uh, big water wheels? And, and the water is coming down the river and it's turning that water wheel. So a grist mill is grinding the grains and all. Or maybe they've got it, you know, converted over and it's generating electricity now. They have sawmills where they saw with the power of that water. And, and humility. Let that always remind you as you humble yourself, you access the power of the Almighty God. You really do. Uh, one of the last messages of a great philanthropist was, he said, tell my younger brethren, this is on his deathbed, tell my younger brethren that they may be too big for God to use them, but they cannot be too small. You might get too big, full of yourself, for God to use you, but you can never be too small. Never, you know. Sounds kind of crazy, I suppose, but we descend to higher ground. Through humility, we humble ourselves before Almighty God, and he lifts us up to higher ground. It's through humility. Psalms 25, verse 9, it says, He leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his ways. And, and, and what is his ways? Like he said, the, the ways of the Lord are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And he says here, he leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his ways. Hmm. The humble will learn his ways. As we humble ourselves, we'll learn the high ways. He'll lift us up in honor, so he says. Psalms 18 verse 32 says God arms me with strength and he makes my way perfect the reason he makes my way perfect is because I'm learning his way and his ways have become my way and therefore they're perfect my ways are becoming his ways and therefore my ways are becoming like his which are perfect God arms me with strength and he makes my ways perfect he makes me as sure-footed as a deer Enabling me to stand on mountain heights. Enabling me to, to stand on the higher ground. He enables me to stand on the high ground. As I humble myself, as we humble ourselves before him, he lifts us up to the mountain heights. In, in the book of James again, chapter 4, verse 6, in the Message Bible it says, And what he gives, what he, God gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find. It's common knowledge that God goes against the willful proud. God goes against. He resists the proud. 
Can you imagine what life would be like if you were consciously aware that God was against you? Pride brings that about. He says here, God goes against the willful proud, but God gives grace. His unmerited favor, his enabling power, God gives grace to the willing humble. Mm. Daniel, this is an amazing passage here. Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, it says, Then he, talking about an angel, who came and was communicating with Daniel. You remember Daniel, the lion's den and all that? It says, And then he, an angel, said, Don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you begin to pray, since the first day you begin to pray for understanding and to humble yourselves before your God, from the first day your request has been heard in heaven. From the very first day you pray, your request was heard in heaven. And I have come, the angel's talking to him, he says, I have come in answer to your prayer. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of darkness, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Satan's crowd, the demons and devils were blocking my way. The Father delivered your answer, and I'm bringing it, but we got in war. And these, you know, demonic warriors were, were blocking my way from delivering the answer. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. H have you ever had your prayers delayed and you thought that they weren't going to be answered? When you read this, it goes, are you serious? You mean there's things going on in the heavenly realm that I can't see with my natural eye? Uh, we don't normally see angels, although the Bible says be careful that you entertain strangers because thereby some of us have entertained angels and have been unaware of it because they look like God. But most of the angels you don't see. And there are powerful demonic forces that come against us. But when you and I pray and God sends the answer, the answer will come through. He said 21 days. For 21 days, the spirit prince of darkness of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. And then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me. And I left him there at the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia, and I got through because Michael took over. I was just like, are you serious? You mean when we pray, uh, a, a delay doesn't mean no? That's correct. Anyhow, that's a good passage to Daniel chapter 10 to chew on and think about a little bit. James chapter 4 verse 7 in the message says, So let God work his will in you. Don't resist him. Let God work his will in you. Now, does is, is God's will always feel really nice and warm and fuzzy? Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross. So you and I could have our sins forgiven. And Jesus wrestled with it a wee bit. You remember when he said, Father... If there's any other way than me going to the cross, comma, but not my will, but thy will be done. So let's not resist God's will. He's always just going to lift us up to higher ground. It says here in James 4, 7, so let God work his will in you. And let's follow Jesus' example. Not my will, but thy will be done. Let God work his will in you. And it says, yell a loud 
no to your children. No, that's not what it said. Have you ever yelled a loud no to your kids when they were little? Some of you going like, when they're older too, maybe? So you know how to yell. Yes, I'm just trying to find out where you're at because I want us to practice this one time. I want you to imagine for a moment the devil trying to sell you a lie, tell you something really bad and discouraging, trying to pull you off into some realm of darkness or something or another. And I want us to practice at least one time on the count of three to say, to, to yell a loud no against him. You think we could try that one time on the count of three? And, and, and it says yell a loud no to the devil and watch him scamper, which means to flee. So on the count of three, I want you to yell no to the devil, okay? One, two, three. No! Y'all are pretty good at that. That's awesome, man. So in your household, if you hear mom or dad or somebody off in the rest of the house going, no! They're not really talking to you, okay? Understand that. But if it takes us doing it out loud in the car going to work or coming home or something or another, do it. In the name of Jesus. And see, you've already humbled yourself. You submit yourself to God, and then you can yell out no, and then you can come back and communicate with God. Well, here, let's, I'm getting ahead of myself. Listen to what it says here. It says, yell a loud no to the devil and watch him scamper and say a quiet yes to God. Why a quiet yes? Because he's right there by my side. Right? Yes, sir. Your will, not mine. Yes, whatever you want. Yes. I, I surrender. I yield to you. So he says, yell a loud no to the devil and watch him scamper, say a quiet yes to God. And that's, that's really like surrendering to him. And he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling. The word dabble means experimenting. It says, quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life and quit playing the field. You understand what playing the field means? Flirting. No commitment. Just flirting with stuff. But no commitment, you know. He says, quit playing the field. Hmm. Humility brings an awesome radical transformation. When a man or a woman will humble themselves, admit that they're wrong, humble themselves before Almighty God, it's miraculous what God will do. I'd like you to see a little video clip of a guy actually doing that very thing in this movie uh, called Fireproof. Why are you doing this? I have learned you never leave your partner, especially in a fire. Caleb, what's happened to you? Dad asked me if there was anything in me that wanted to save our marriage. And then he gave me something. Um, I, I could let you read it. Was it this? How long have you known? I found it yesterday. So what day are you on? 
43? There's only 40. Who says I have to stop? You didn't want to do this at first, did you? No. But halfway through, I realized that I did not understand what love was. And once I understood that, I wanted to do it. Caleb, I want to believe that this is real. But I'm not ready to say that I trust you again. I understand that. Whether you ever reach that point or not, I need you to understand something. I am sorry. I have been so selfish. For the past seven years, I have trampled on you with my words and with my actions. I have loved other things when I should have loved you. In the last few weeks, God has given me a love for you that I had never had before. And I had asked him to forgive me. And I am hoping, I am praying that somehow you would be able to forgive me too. That is humility taking that lowly position that he took eventually took him to the higher ground. And a radical transformation took place in his life and in his marriage. Here in James chapter 4, picking up in verse 9, <clears throat> it says, get serious, really serious. Verse 10 says, get down on your knees before the master is the only way you'll get on your feet. Did you hear that? Get down on your knees before Almighty God, your master. It's the only way to get on your feet. It's kind of opposite of what you would think. But when we humble ourselves and we take that low position, he lifts us up. Matthew chapter 6, verse 34 says, Give your entire attention, your focus, to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow, God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. We're talking about higher ground. Humble yourselves. 
you know, become lowly before him. Submit to him. And he says, and he will lift you up in honor. Ephesians 2, 6 says, for he raised us. Christ raised us from the dead. Almighty God the Father raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realm. That's the higher ground. When Jesus rose from the dead and we are submitted to him and we humble ourselves to him, we have been raised up to higher ground in our relationship with Christ. He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realm because we are united with Christ. Philippians 2, 3 says, don't be selfish. Pride is everything that selfishness is. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. And that'll put you on the high ground. Verse 4 says, don't look out only for your own interest. You know, stuck in the valley somewhere, the low ground. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And what was his attitude? Verse 6 says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He poured his life out for other people. He emptied himself, you, you, you see. And then in Matthew chapter 20, verse 26, it says, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be the leader must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first, this is Jesus' words, and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. And that's a love slave. When you're like, well, you're free to go. No, I want to stay here and serve you. It's a love slave. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. Verse 28 says, for even the Son of Man, that's talking about Jesus talking about himself, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Did you know what the, the very highest title that God allows in the church? The, the most highest position, titled position, in the body of Christ, in the church, worldwide, you know what the highest title is? Servant. That's it. Servant. You, you can't improve on serving. So if you want to be the, the greatest in the kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man, Jesus talking about himself, For the Son of Man came to seek a vacation spot on earth. You know, timeshare, you can get away from heaven for a while. Is that what he says? He says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. Jesus came here for one purpose. He came to serve. He went to the cross in order to rescue me. Took my place to rescue me and rescue you. Philippians 2, 7 again, it says, Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being we know jesus was born in a stable we're talking about a servant mentality here you know, uh, a government official who came into president lincoln abraham lincoln's office 
was startled to find the chief executive, the president of the United States, shining his own shoes. Sir, he gasped, surely you do not polish your own shoes. Of course, replied the humble president. Whose shoes do you polish? That's what Abraham Lincoln asked him. The greatness of a man is evidenced by the humility. Abraham Lincoln was a very humble man, and in my opinion, the greatest president this nation has ever had. You know, in the words of an old Filipino saying, says, the higher the bamboo grows, the lower it bends. You know, bamboo is very flexible. And as it grows really high and tall, when the wind blows it all, it can bend all the way down and the tip of it can touch the ground. The higher the bamboo grows, the lower it bends. Think about how that relates to you. Romans chapter 12, verse 16 says, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. A lot of folks just want to associate with somebody important, the rich and the famous. I mean, the Hollywood, the stars, the, you know, the, 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 the folks that everybody knows about. They just want to kind of snuggle up to them, maybe. That's not what the Bible says. Live in harmony with each other, and don't be too proud to enjoy the company of common folk, of ordinary people, and don't think you know it all. You know why? Because you don't. <laughs> you really don't, you know. I wonder if we can be like that bamboo we were talking about there, to lower ourselves. No matter who we are, lower ourselves to serve, like we serve these kids over in Ethiopia, to serve like, like these children. There will be hundreds of kids in a couple of weeks, three weeks, who will be filling this building up for all week long. It'll be Crazy, amazing, and wonderful as kids come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. No matter how big and how important we are, let's make sure that we're like that tall bamboo that it can lean over and it can touch the ground and it can serve. Are we tall enough that enables us to serve? Are we tall and flexible enough? You know, that, that, that touching back down, that humbling ourselves, it leads to the higher ground. In, in the book of John, um, chapter 13, verse 12, it says, After washing their feet, this is Jesus washing the disciples' feet. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again, and he sat down and he asked, Do you understand what I was doing? And then he said, You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. Now, do you think, Jesus, it was really important that everybody has clean feet? Was that what he's talking about? He says in verse 15, I have given you an example, an example to follow. Take the attitude that Jesus Christ had. That's what leads to the high ground. Uh, washing the feet because they wore sandals and dusty robes. When you came, the lowest of the lowest of the lowest servant on the totem pole was the one who always had a, a basin and would wash the guests' feet as they came from their dusty journey into the home. And Jesus acted that out. He washed his disciples' feet. Nobody else did it. He washed all their feet. And he says in verse 15, I've given you an example to follow. Do as I've done to you. He wasn't talking about washing feet. He was talking about 
take the lowest position and serve others. Like you also graciously do at BVA and all the other areas and in your work and in your home, you take that low position to serve. And that's when you're more like Christ, when you gain the high ground. Verse 16, Jesus goes on to say, I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master. And he was saying, I'm the master. You know, he says, slaves aren't greater than the master, nor the messenger, you know, you are my messengers now. The messenger is not more important than the one who sends him. Verse 17 says, now that you know these things, you saw the master and the teacher. You saw what I did. I gave you an example to serve. And it says, now you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. And then here in Philippians 2, verse 7, it says, when he appeared in human form, talking about Jesus, verse 8 says, he humbled himself. Jesus humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated, lifted Jesus up, elevated him to the place of highest honor because Jesus, he humbled himself. And, 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 and like that tall bamboo humbled himself, and he touched the earth as the humblest of servants. He came here to serve you and me. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And we do that willingly. And he goes on to say, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Even demons and devils one day will declare with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. They will bow their knee, not because they want to. They'll be humiliated into it. But we humble ourselves and, and willingly do so. Tens of thousands of people make their homes on the Manila garbage dump site. They construct shacks out of things other people have thrown away. They send out their children early in the morning to scavenge for food in other people's garbage to provide meals for their family. People have been born and raised, raised their own families and died on the garbage dump and never gone anywhere else, not even to the city of Manila. There are Americans who also live on that garbage dump. They chose to leave their homes in America to live on the garbage dump to share God's love with people who would never hear about God's love otherwise. It's pretty amazing. It's kind of like what we're doing in Ethiopia. It's pretty amazing, but you know what? It's even more amazing that Jesus left his riches and glory of heaven to come down here on the garbage dump called earth to reach you and me and to, to rescue us. The last verse I want to read to you this morning through Micah chapter 6. And it says, He has showed thee, old man, what's good and what doth, and what the Lord requires what doth the Lord require of thee? This is what God requires of you. To do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. And we're going to close with a song. And this is an amazing song. You can hear it and it sounds okay and kind of nice and got a catchy little tune. But I want you to hear these words. Allow them to penetrate your heart. And you'll hear these words in this song several times. And it goes, down. At your feet, O oh Lord, is the most high place. Sound like opposite, like that, that shouldn't be. Down at your feet 
when we humble ourselves and bow down before him, it's the most high place. So if you want to gain the higher ground and the advantage, well, let's learn to walk in humility. Let's listen to this together. Sing along.
at your feet, O Lord, is the most high place. We've been talking about gaining the high ground, which gives us an advantage. And as we humble ourselves before Almighty God and recognize that we have been put here to serve, to make a difference in other people's lives, and that is to truly be Christ-like, we will gain the advantage. We'll gain the high place. I want to challenge you this week. Um, matter of fact, it's your weekly challenge. It says, I will meditate on this phrase all week long. We may be too big for God to use, but we'll never be too small. And you know what? We need to always see ourselves as small as we stand before Almighty God. We're not in a position to tell God what to do. We can surely ask for his help and his assistance, and he'll be there for you. Even if there's a delay, but he will help you. So I challenge you, as we're seeking the higher ground, let's learn to walk in humility. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, I ask your blessings upon the men and the women in this room. And those who are watching online, who are listening, who are watching on DVDs, CDs, and, and all around, and I ask that you would bring about a radical transformation in our lives, that we would begin to see things from your advantage. Help us to see through your eyes. Give us fresh vision. Help us to learn your ways and your thoughts and apply them day by day to our own. As our heads about, I'd ask you to reaffirm your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord. And maybe you're here today and you've never welcomed Jesus into your life as your Savior. But would you join us as we pray and welcome him into our life, into every area of our life. We totally surrender and submit to him today. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe you love me. And I believe you've got great plans for my life. So I humble myself before you and I thank you for all that you have done. I thank you for sending Jesus. I believe he died in my place. I believe he paid for all of my sins and I believe he rose from the dead. I believe Jesus is knocking at the door of my heart and I open that door right now. And I welcome Jesus in as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my soon-coming King. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. As you leave, if you prayed with me just now and you welcome Christ as your Savior, please stop at the Connections desk. We've got a gift bag for you. It's got a Bible, a movie, and some other little goodies that I believe will be a great inspiration to you. If you're a guest, we have a, a nice gift for all of our guests. Just stop by and let them know, hey, I'm, I'm here today for the first time, and we just want to give you something to let you know we appreciate you coming. We hope you come back. If you have need of prayer, there will be people around the altar who would love to pray with you, and I'm telling you, and you can take this to the bank, God still answers prayer. And maybe there's a little delay there. It don't mean no, but God that we serve is alive, and he answers prayer, and he invites us to pray. So if you need some prayer, there will be folks around the altar here who would love to, to pray with you. If, if you're considering helping us out at our vacation Bible adventure, it's one of the greatest things we do in the year. It really is. Uh, we could use your assistance. So if you can stop at the Connections desk or write your name and a phone number, email address.
drop it in the tithe box along with your weekly challenge. You know, say, hey, I'd love to serve. There's dozens of places you can serve or say, put me where you need me. We really could use your help. When you come back in here next week, this will not be the same building. I'll guarantee you that. It'll be under transformation. With that, greet one another on your way out. God bless you. You are dismissed. Hey, can I ask you a question?